This is the Whole Hog Baseball Podcast, presented by Massage Envy, the first podcast devoted entirely to Arkansas baseball. Featuring insight from Arkansas baseball color analyst Bubba Carpenter. Here's Matt Jones. Arkansas hits the road this week. They'll go to Ole Miss. Always a fun series when the Razorbacks and the Rebels get together. Matt Jones with Bubba Carpenter will preview that series today. We'll also look back at Arkansas's win over Alabama. Probably the most entertaining series to this point this year, Bubba. Arkansas loses game one 12-1. They're down and being no hit through three and a half innings in game two. They come back and they win nine to six. They win a really tight game on Sunday, five to four and they take that series from Alabama. A team that Dave Van Horn thinks is going to be pretty good this year, it's just things haven't quite worked out for them to this point. They played, uh, you know, really good competition. Uh, what were your thoughts from watching Arkansas play Alabama? And, and I wonder, what do you think clicked for this team, say, halfway through the series, for them to turn it around? Because they didn't look like things were going to go very well about, uh, about 12 and a half innings into the weekend. Well, first of all, it, Alabama's a good team. They're better than I thought they were going to be, Matt. They, uh, they've they got hitters up and down the lineup. There's not really an easy out. It's a veteran team like most SEC teams. they got one freshman in the lineup, Shelton, and he's leading the team at Jacks. Uh, can really swing it. So, I mean, they're they're good from top to bottom. Um, you know, what, what really stood out to me is the team's ability to just kind of flush Friday night's game and move on and, and win the series. You know, we saw them do it a couple of years ago when, when Bama came in here and they won the first game uh, pretty handily. And then, mm-hmm. and then we went on and we, we won the series and we won and won the, you know, won the conference after that. So you don't put too much into to one game. I think Friday night though, I, I, I jokingly said, you know, you could, you could have put Otani on the mound or, or Garrett Cole. And I think, I think, I think Alabama would have hit them. I mean, mm-hmm. Friday night, everything went the, their way um it's just one of those nights but i was impressed with the team the way they battled back saturday and to answer your question what do you think clicked i think the bullpen clicked to be honest with you the bullpen came in and shut them down and gave our office the chance to start working i think the kendall Diggs three-run homer was huge um you know, in Saturday's game to get us within mm-hmm. one. And then from there on, we just kind of rolled. And that, but man, a huge, huge props to the bullpen. The way they shut it, they, they, they really did do a good job coming in and shutting Bama down. Yeah. You, you know, that Alabama was probably thinking at the end of game two, we, we've got them tomorrow because there just wasn't a whole lot of pitching left. There was some thought Hagen Smith might be able to come back, but, uh, you know, he, he didn't. And I don't, I think in, in, hindsight that probably was optimistic thinking that he could come back after throwing 52 pitches on Saturday. But, you know, the, the recycling, I guess, if you will, of Dylan Carter and of Cody Adcock and obviously Gage Wood pitched really well right there at the end. Uh, that was the key to the weekend to me, the, the way those three guys pitched, especially after things went south for Ben Bybee so early in that game. I think so. Think about it, Matt. If if someone had told you going in that McIntyre would have left the game in the fourth inning down four <laughs> one, after this is after Friday's game. So after everything that happened Friday, if McIntyre would leave going down four one in the fourth, and then Bybee was only going to get two outs in the first inning on Sunday, you would have thought we'd have got swept. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would have put all your money on a, on an Alabama sweep. To be honest with you. Um, 
And so it says a lot about the toughness of this team and how they were able to just overcome it, uh, battle back. You know, the offense did a good job of taking advantage of, of, of Alabama mistakes. And, you know, the bullpen was awesome. And so, uh, you know, we ended up winning a series. And I think it's a huge series because I really think Alabama's going to win a lot of games as we get farther along into the season. You're going to see them win a lot of games. I, I thought they had some good pitching. Thought their starters were all good. Uh-huh. I thought I thought they had some good arms coming out of the pen, especially Friday night. They threw a couple guys at us Friday night. That Hagen Banks guy, he went four innings, no hit against us on Friday night. Now, and then granted, the game was kind of out of out of out of reach, and I, I don't know why they left him out there that long. I don't know if he's that good or not, but boy, he looked good Friday night against us. They brought in a tough lefty Connor Ball after that. That kind of a different look, but. Um, no, I think they got some good arms out of the pen. And, and like I said about their lineup, they're tough. They're, they're a good team. So I think it was a good, it was a good series win for us. Yeah. I don't think Banks has given up a, a, a run in SEC play yet. Uh, I think he's, I think he's a pretty legit pitcher. And then, you know, you think about game three, just how everything lined up. I'm not sure people realize how good, uh, Grayson Hitt is for Alabama. I was looking at, you know, draft talk. And Baseball America has him right now as the number 51 prospect in this year's draft. And so, you know, for Arkansas to go out and, and hit so well against him uh, early in that game, I, I think was uh, maybe a feather in the cap, so to speak. I think so. But, you know, we've done that against against starters all year. Our offense has done a, a really good job getting starters out of the game. We faced some really top-notch pitchers early this season and we've done a great job of getting the starters out of the game early mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, and we really did battle him and we had hit frustrated. He's got multiple pitches he can throw. Uh, he can pitch to both sides of the plate. I mean, he's just, he's good. And he's a guy that'll pitch in the major leagues. And, you know, I, I really did like the way we went out and battled him. And, you know, especially with, with the way the game started out, it just didn't look, good for the Razorbacks you know Ben Bybee goes out gets two Mm. quick outs and then just couldn't get that third out and man I was pulling for him Matt I really like Ben Uh, in in a few times I've talked to him I love his energy I I love his attitude he gets out on the mound and man he looks like he's just getting ready to shove and he for whatever reason he just hit a wall right there and could not get that third out I Mm. think had he gotten out of that inning things might have been a little different for him but you know, he's going to be fine. I think he's a guy that's going to get a lot of outs for us this year, and he's uh, he's going to be a good weapon for us. I just I hated that he couldn't get out of that first inning. Yeah, there was a, a one-two breaking pitch, I think, and looked like it was right there on the you know the edge of the strike zone. If he gets that call, who knows how that outing goes differently? And I think you know Van Horn uh, has to manage that game differently because of you know you you, you want to win the series, and you can't leave him out there too long and see if he's going to get it corrected. Uh, you know, I think that maybe the the rope is a little bit longer in a different situation uh, than the one they found themselves in on Sunday. Uh, I thought Saturday's game was probably the most entertaining game that Arkansas played this year. Back and forth, high emotions, lots of tension in the crowd, obviously on the field with uh, Brad Bohannon, the Alabama coach, getting ejected uh, in the seventh inning. And then at the end of that half inning, Van Horn's out there going after the umpire uh, when it looks like their catcher, I guess it's uh, was Matt Gusetti because he had replaced Dominic Thomas at that point, but uh, you know looked like he might have blocked the plate when Tavian Josenberger was trying to go in. Uh, Josenberger gets up, looked like he may have hurt his shoulder a little bit, but he was okay. Uh, man, what wasn't that fun being in the ballpark Saturday afternoon though? Those are the those are the types of of games that I think that you know we really 
look forward to all year and we miss when they're not happening. Yeah, those are those are your conference games and and boy, it's just a different feel, Matt. But you're right, there was so much energy in the stadium. Um, I'll tell you when Bowen got tossed, the crowd was going crazy. Um, and then Tavian steps up there, first pitch, it's double down the right field line. The, mm-hmm. the, the just the the place went nuts, and that's awesome. And that's that's SEC baseball right there at its best. And uh that's Bomb Walker at its best, to be honest with you. And it was uh, it, it was a lot of fun. Um you know, I, I don't know I don't know what happened with Brad Bohan in there, but I think he told he me he blacked out. <laughs> he told me he blacked out. Well, I something happened because he kind of showed his butt a little bit, and and you know I think I, I've already voiced my opinion about it. I I don't I don't think you come into a you keep keep your anger on the field. Don't direct it towards the, towards the fans. Don't mock the hog call. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm a lifelong Razorback fan. That that really angered me when he did that. And and I don't think it affected our team really, but I think it really fired up the fans. And I think our our team fed off the energy in the stadium. And I think it, I think we played different from there on out. But uh, so I appreciate Brad Bohan doing that. But you know I have read some of his quotes since then, and, and you know he's been very apologetic, and, mm. and you know, and so it, it happens, man. You get in the heat of a game like that, and and you you know sometimes you do lose it. Now I don't know if blacking out is the the right way to describe it, but you know the the heat of the moment gets to you sometimes, and it, it happened right there. Yeah, he told me after Sunday's game, he said he said I didn't mean any disrespect by it. Uh, he said, you know, just got emotional, got in the, the heat of the moment. He said he loves coming to Arkansas. He called it, quote, the sickest, one of the sickest places to play in college baseball. Uh, he said the only thing he doesn't like about coming to Arkansas is that it's hard to win. He's got a two and seven record in Fayetteville since he became Alabama's head coach. Uh, the Razorbacks won the series. Uh, but, you know, there are some things that, you know, I think give you a little bit cause for concern that happened in the series. Obviously, uh, the the starting pitching numbers were not good. Hunter Holland was hit around like we have not seen uh, in the first game. Will McIntyre, like you said, went out early in the second game. I will say this about McIntyre. They found out the next day that he has the flu, and they're not sure what his availability is going to be like for Ole Miss. They're going to go Holland game one and then TBA games two and three at Ole Miss this weekend. So you wonder if the the flu might have been affecting McIntyre uh, whenever he was pitching on Saturday. You know, we talked about Ben Bybee and, and the short start that he had. I don't know that you're going to see him get another start, at least for a little while in, in SEC play. Uh, your thoughts on the pitching numbers? Because, you know, there for a little while, the trajectory was really good. Uh, you know, the, the innings were getting longer collectively for the most part. Uh, from these pitchers, and then they have a step back against Alabama. Do you think that's something to be concerned about, or do you think it's just a bad weekend? It's just a bad weekend against a good team. You know, like I said, Matt, they've got a lot of veteran guys in their lineup. I like how Alabama approaches hitting. Um, They hunt pitches early in the count. If they don't get them, they're not afraid to hit with two strikes. With two strikes, they choke up. They find a way to put the ball on play. I, I was just impressed with them. Now, when it comes to Friday night, I've faced pitchers before that were tipping pitches and teams that had it, that knew what was coming. Alabama act Friday night like they they knew what was coming against Hunter Holland, and, and but maybe they didn't. Um, you know, I think I heard Dave or someone asked Dave that question, and and they went back and looked. I I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think they were just hot, but they really they were on his slider. They were on his fastball. They just seemed to be on everything. And but a lot of the balls they hit that weren't crushed. 
I think I counted nine balls hit under 90 miles an hour that were base hits. There were some rollovers in the hole. There were some jam shots. A couple were hit low seventies. Those balls aren't hit very hard, but they're, they're swinging that were on plane. And so they were able to get them, get it out there to the outfield or through the infield. But so it's not like they crushed everything they hit. It was just one of those nights where everything they hit fell. Now it evened out later in the series. They hit some balls hard that uh, into the wind and ended up getting caught. And I think it happened both ways, but mm-hmm. Friday night was just one of those nights. I'm not worried about Hunter Holland. I'm still impressed with his stuff, how he's able to pitch to both sides of the plate. And even Will McIntyre, you know, he made some good pitches. I'm I'm not worried about Will. Um, I, I'm not, man. I'm I'm still – I'm a glass half full guy. Uh, I'm a realist, but I'm a glass half full guy. And, and man, I still – I haven't given up. I think it was just a weekend where we ran into a, a team that was swinging it really good. And, you know, we'll see what happens this weekend. I mean, we're facing a – we're facing another good offense, although their numbers don't prove it. Um, you know, Ole Miss, Ole Miss has got some veteran guys in there, and there are a lot of guys left over from last year's championship game. We can talk about it later when we go over Ole Miss, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel pretty good going into this weekend. You know, one of the things Arkansas did was that they, they managed their pitching really well, I thought, when they got behind against Alabama. They left Holland in there, let him get some innings, uh, you know, get some outs, eat, eat up some – some of that game, Austin Ledbetter came in and, you know, you feel a little bit bad for Austin Ledbetter because he's been kind of that pitcher who they throw to the wolves, so to speak. Right. I mean, he's come in a lot in in these games that are getting away and they say, Hey, you know, you need to go get us two, three, four innings and, and save us for the next game. And they were able to, you know, obviously have a, a, a better bullpen in place for those last two games, which, which turned in and, or turned out to be really important to the to the outcome of the series. Uh, one other note on pitching here, real quick: uh, Hagen Smith and Hunter Holland are both mid-season All-Americans by Perfect Game, and that was announced today. Uh, so Holland, you know, one bad game. That, that's what he's had this year. He's had some games where he'll tell you that he didn't think he pitched that great, uh, but as far as being effective, he's been effective in every game until the Alabama game uh, last Friday. Davian Josenberger ends up getting SEC Player of the Week, and it was really impressive. Dave Van Horn called him at the Swatters Club the other day, a one-man wrecking crew against Alabama. You saw what he did at the plate. You mentioned the big double that he had that gave him the lead in the second game. Uh, He had the first hit in that game when they were getting no hit through three innings. Uh, Came up in the fourth, had a double, and that was what helped contribute to that three-run home run by Kendall Diggs. That was a real big swing in that game. Uh, just just was all over the bases all weekend. And then in center field, I can think of at least three big catches that he made. Bubba, I mean, there was a diving catch on Friday night that probably saved a couple of runs. There was the home run robbing catch uh, on Saturday that saved three runs. And then on Saturday, he ran down a ball basically in left field uh, that probably saved a run or two. Uh, he was just all over the place and it was an incredible weekend from him. And it's, it's been really fun. I think to see how much he has grown since he got to campus because there was an injury at Kansas, but he wasn't playing anywhere near this level. Well, the thing I like about him, he's kind of the emotional leader of the team. It it, it seems like, you know, every team has to have that energy guy mm-hmm. that gets the, gets everyone going. And, and, you know, you look at a guy like uh, a Jared Wagner. I mean, he leads by example, doesn't say a whole lot, doesn't have to say a whole lot. His bat does a lot of the talking, his defense does the talking, he plays hard every day. 
Um, you know, you got guys that lead that way, but then Tavian's more of your your guy that brings that err and that that energy to the to the team. You know, I talked to Jace Borfin after the game on Saturday and I asked him, I said, Hey, did you feel necessary as a team captain to say something to the team about Friday night or did y'all just kind of flush it and say, Hey, that's that's baseball in the SEC, let's move on. And he's like, nah. He said, really didn't feel the need to say it. He said, These guys don't need anything to get them motivated. But he said, Tavian did say something to us today. Um before the game that got us all fired up. He said he gave, he was, he was, he was kind of the guy that stepped up and, and said a few things. And it was funny because I can't tell you what he said, but it got us fired up. And so, not FCC friendly. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to hear that out of your guys. I mean, I love to have a guy like that on your team. The, the teams that I played on that were successful back in the day, all, we always had a couple of those guys that were your high mm-hmm. energy guys. And you've got your even kill guys. Um, but Tavian, boy, he was, he was huge on Saturday. You think about it. He drove in. Oh, shoot. I don't even know how many runs he drove in on Saturday. Um, I want to say he had two or three RBIs on Saturday, but he saved the three run Homer, the yeah. ball that Hammonder hit in the right center or the, the right center gap that he caught, mm-hmm. um, where he doubled off Thomas at first. That's, that's four runs right there. So it's like he drove in four extra runs because he saved four. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. That's huge. Uh, those plays right there, the diving catch you mentioned, saved a couple of runs. Of course, that was on Friday, so it didn't really <laughs> it didn't matter. Yeah, um, getting run rolled. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But, you know, just the way he plays the game, I love it. I love how he goes first to third on base hits. Uh, he's always going hard. Um I mean, right in that center fielder's face, he'll go first to third, and and, and I, I, they don't expect it. I mean, he just does a lot of little things that don't go in the stat sheet, but helps the team win. Well, and even Sunday, he got him off to a great start that, you know, opening at bat in the first inning where he probably had three different base hits. Uh, there was the one that went over the third base uh, bag that couldn't be reviewed. Then there was the one down the left field line that did get reviewed and they kept it as a foul call. And then he, you know, goes to, to right field and gets on with a single starts a, a two run inning there. Uh, that was a big at bat, kind of a tone setting at bat against hit. Oh, it was, it was huge. And and I said that on the air, I'm like, well, he's three for three today, but you think about <laughs> it, how hard that is as a hitter, because you think you have a hit first of all, down the line on the first one. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't see the replay. I, I didn't see where the third baseman caught the ball. Caught it the looked ball. fair to me. It looked fair to me. It looked like he caught it behind the bag. The 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 third base umpire didn't make a call at all. The the home plate umpire kind of made a half-hearted call. It wasn't really a foul ball. It, he he didn't know what to call. He kind of held his hands up like uh waiting for the third base umpire to make the call. But that's that's something else. Can't be reviewed. I don't think Dave liked it. And then the line drive down the left field line. I watch Nate Thompson all the time. I know his body language. Nate was 100% sure that ball was fair and they call it foul. And, and their review took about 10 seconds. I don't even know if they even sent it to Birmingham or not. That was the quickest review I think I've ever seen. (laughs) I thought that ball was fair. Uh, They showed it once on the, on the replay in my booth. I thought it was fair, but whatever. Um, But what's awesome is Tavian didn't let that bother him. He went back up there and then got a base hit to right. I mean, that's that says a lot because as a hitter, that's so frustrating, especially the one you think you got a sure double and it gets taken away from you. So that, you know, he doesn't let things like that bother him. 
he he flushes it. He gets back up to the plate, gets another pitch, gets a base hit. I, I don't know. Little things like that really impressed me in a, in a young player. I was reading uh, D1 Baseball had a, a story the other day. Um, it was anonymous coaches talking about playing Arkansas, and one of them said that they think Josenberger is the glue to the Arkansas lineup, and it, it, kind of a ironic timing because it came out the, the day before the Alabama series, and, and he really was the glue. Uh, during that series against the Crimson Tide. Uh, two things that I think are interesting that we've talked about throughout the season is that before last week, we didn't really think that anybody had st- stepped up and taken you know, the bull by the horn, so to speak, at catcher and third base. And now it seems like they have. Parker Rowland has emerged as the, the starting catcher. Uh, he caught all three games against Alabama. It was the first time this year that they've had one catcher catch all of their weekend games and Van Horn even said at the Swatters Club on Monday, he said that he's taken uh, the lead in that race. And then I think Caleb Cali has taken the lead at third base. You're starting to see him hit a little bit more consistently. Uh, I thought he fielded his position pretty well over the weekend against Alabama. How do you? How important do you think that is now that there's not necessarily a rotating door at those positions, uh, that maybe there's a little bit more concrete lineup that is going to be in place for these games? I think it's huge, Matt. It just how does it affect I, the lineup? Well, uh, as a as a player, you, there's a different feel when you show up to the ballpark and you know you're in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Mentally, that's that's you show up in a different mindset. And for these guys to know they're going to show up and they're in the lineup on Friday night or Thursday night, whenever, um, it's huge. Um, now, the thing about it is, is there's still a ton of depth. I mean, they can they can still mix and match if they want to if they want to do a matchup somewhere down the down the road late in the game they can still mix and match guys but i think the fact that these guys have kind of settled into that starting role is is huge for them um and i think i think you're going to see them just continue to get better i i was impressed with caleb Cali. He made some good plays on defense um i think he's moving better i think his positioning is better and i don't know if that's coming from the the dugout or 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 what I thought he was out of position on on one play the Williamson ball that he hit um oh Saturday in the in the eighth inning I believe the line drive that got by him mm-hmm. I, I thought he was out of position I thought he was I thought he was uh, too close to the bag and too close to the line for for a big donkey like Williamson up I think he should have been in and over now I don't know if he was coming in to, for a, a pick call. Uh, uh, maybe they they'd called a back pick. I don't know. I just thought he was out of position. If he's where he should be, he catches that line drive and, and they don't score in the eighth inning. But uh, you know, that's just that's that's little things. But those little things add up. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I thought Roland's been awesome. I thought he got a huge hit in the sixth inning to put the Razorbacks ahead uh, on Sunday's game. And so mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think it's all starting to come together. But you know, I, I kind of agree with DVH. I I don't think this lineup is is anywhere close to how good they're going to be as we get deeper into the season. I mean, they've got Peyton Stovall in the number two hole and and he's not gotten going yet. And, you know, the, the thought was that he was going to be kind of their, their spark plug, maybe along with Josenberger at the top of the order. What do you think Stovall has got to do to get going offensively? I, I feel like, I, I kind of feel like he's, he's where he was last year for a while where he's, I call it being caught in between. So you watch a hitter that that's hitting a lot of, like foul balls off to the left side. I know in in a Sunday's game he fouled out. He he popped up to third, popped up to 
to short. Um, if you're hitting fastballs to the left side, rolling over off speed pitches, you're caught in between. Um, I see Peyton swinging at pitches now in advantage counts that are like pitchers pitches where early in the year he was taking that pitch. Let's say it's a, a two Oh fastball down and away. He's swinging at that pitch where early in the year he would take it. He'd get a two, one pitch in the middle of the plate and drive it, or mm -hmm. maybe a first pitch change up down. He's swinging at it, rolling over where early in the year he would take that pitch, you know, and get the Oh one fastball or, or later in the count, get a pitch and drive it. That's what I see with Peyton. I think he's just trying to do a little bit too much. You know, when, it, when you feel like you're not, you're you're not contributing you're not you're not as good as you can be you you start to expand the zone you really honestly need to do the opposite shrink the zone a little bit hunt speeds you know pick a speed stay on it pick a portion of the plate stay on it um and then he's going to get it going but but that's what i really see in him matt i just see him you know late on fastballs early on off speed it's it's it you're caught in between and when that happens you, you know you're 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 not going to have success. Now he did hit a couple balls hard over the weekend. He had a couple of really good at bats. He Friday night he had a base hit against that tough lefty they brought in. Connor Ball hit a hit a line drive to right field against him where he really stayed in on it. And that was a great at bat. So he shows signs of of being the Peyton Stovall we know he's going to be, and he's going to get it going. And when he does, if he stays in that two hole and he gets going with the weapons we have behind him with Tavian and Peyton at the top, that's a dangerous top of the lineup. Last year, he had his best stretch hitting lower in the order in the postseason. And this year, you know, the, the hottest that he was whenever he came back from a little bit of an injury and hit, I think, fifth in the order. Do you think that batting lower in the order can, can loosen a guy up? Is there is there like, I don't know, like pressure or tension hitting that high up in the order? Hell no. If I was him, I'd want to hit two hole with Jared Wagner, Jace Borf, and Kendall Diggs behind me. Is that right? <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay. If you're hitting in that two hole, you got some you got some guys behind you. So they're gonna they don't want you on base. So I feel like if he's patient, he's gonna get pitches to hit. If he's patient, because they don't want to pitch to Jared Wagner, Jace Borfin, and Kendall Diggs with runners on base. Mm -hmm. And Tavian's gonna find a way to get on base. The other thing about Tavian being on first base is it does multiple things. It opens up the hole on the right side. Plus, plus Peyton's going to get more fastballs because they don't want Tavian stealing. Mm -hmm. Easy to steal on off-speed pitches, so they're going to throw a little bit more fastballs to him. So I think he's going to get more pitches to hit. Um, I think two holes a perfect spot for Peyton, and if I was him, that's where I'd want to be. They dropped Brady Slavens down in the order. He batted eighth in the final game against Alabama. Uh, do you Do you think that he might stay down low? And I wonder, you know, we talked last week about there's been a little bit of a hole at the bottom of the order. Uh, do you think that maybe that goes into the de decision to put him down there? It could, I, I honestly, and, and Brady probably doesn't like it, but you know, he had a bad night Friday night against mm -hmm. Ben Hess. Uh, several of the guys did. Ben's got elite stuff. He's a really good pitcher, but you know, Brady struck out three times and he was very emotional, especially on that last one, mm -hmm. you know, and, and 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 but that's Brady Slavens. I mean, that's how he is, man. He he doesn't hide his feelings. Um, you know, I'm one of those that says no negative body language on the baseball field. But you know, Brady Brady's emotional. Um, you know, and then and then he set out Saturday and ended up coming in and getting a big hit. I, I like him down in the lineup. 
I, I think out of Brady, you're going to get – every year he's proven he's going to hit you 14, 15, 16 home runs. He's going to drive in runs. But having him down in a lineup like that might be a good thing for him. Um, I know when he came back in, he put the ball in play, didn't strike out anymore, mm-hmm. kept the, kept in the zone. If Brady will stay in the zone, he can he can hit any pitch in the zone. He can hit the ball down and away. He can hit the ball inside. He can hit every pitch. When he gets in trouble, he's chasing balls out of the zone. And you know, I mean, it's it happens with all all good hitters, but. He just when he's patient, he's he's a dangerous uh, hitter in that lineup, and maybe that's maybe him being a little bit farther down in the lineup is a good spot for him right now. And then maybe things will change, and what we see right now may not be what we see in in uh, uh, May. Who knows? But yeah, I think it it might be a good thing for him to drop down a little bit. He made a big defensive play when he came in on Saturday too. Probably saved a run. Uh, because it kept a, a runner from going first to third on a ball that if it would have gotten past him, it, it would have definitely been an extra base hit. has been really good defensively. Uh, one other note about defense, you were talking about the the positioning of Caleb Cali. Uh, Van Horn said that that's coming from the coaching staff, that Alabama, the spray chart for Alabama, they hit it in the same spot almost every time as what the spray chart says. And so you saw it on Sunday, right? With uh, there were two lineouts where Cali never even had to move. And then in the seventh inning, he was positioned well on a couple of five, three ground outs that helped uh, Dylan Carter get through a quick inning whenever he was starting to labor. No, I think, I think you're right. I think the only person that that doesn't apply to is Jarvis. Uh, Jarvis kind of hits it all over the field, especially when he gets two strikes. If you throw him a fastball away, he's going to hit it the other way. If you throw him an off-speed pitch, he's going to pull it. Um, but I think the rest of the guys, yeah, they're pretty predictable. Thomas, uh, you know, uh, I tell you what, Pinkney, Pinkney's a first-ball fastball swinger. You throw him a first-pitch fastball, he's swinging. Hmm. Um, you know, there's Thomas is the same way. Thomas is real aggressive early in the count. You can get Thomas – to make a one pitch out. I love pitching the first pitch swingers because they're an out. If you execute your pitch, they're going to make an out. You just got to make it look like a pitch they want because they're, they're swinging. They're in, they're in yes, yes, yes mode. And if it's close, they're swinging. And <laughs> those guys are, are easy outs if you execute the pitch, but, but if you don't execute the pitch it's home run, you know, it happened to, uh, it happened to Hagen Smith when he threw Pinkney a first pitch fastball kind of above the belt inner third, he crushed it to left field. You know, I mean, it, it is what it is. You, you execute that pitch right there and you get a ground ball or pop-up. We'll continue the whole hog baseball podcast here in a moment. I want to tell you, we're brought to you by massage envy voted the best day spa and best massage in all of Northwest Arkansas. You can visit Mike and his staff in Tuscany square at 2603 West Pleasant Grove road in Rogers or in Fayetteville at 3557 North Shiloh drive. Massage Envy has services for everyone. MassageEnvy.com. Massage Envy with clinics in Rogers and Fayetteville has been awarded Northwest Arkansas's Best Day Spa and Best Massage. One of the reasons is our care for athletes, both serious and recreational. We now offer rapid tension relief sessions using a high caliber vibrating tool and total body stretch sessions like the ones used by the PGA. Both of these new services can be combined with the always popular deep muscle treatment. So whether you compete or just want to relax, there is no place better than Massage Envy. 
WholeHogSports.com has the largest, most experienced staff of reporters covering sports in Arkansas. Football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. You'll find it at WholeHogSports.com. The website includes up-to-minute news, daily commentaries, and award-winning photography from the staffs of Hogs Illustrated and the Democrat Gazette. For subscriptions, call 1-800-757-6277. That's 1-800-757-6277. Or visit us online today. WholeHogSports.com. With almost 30 years in business, a Teague Law Firm can help with most family law and criminal law issues. Call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785. Take a look around the SEC three weeks in. The teams that are standing out aren't necessarily the three teams that we thought would be at this point. Of course, in the SEC West, it's Arkansas and LSU at the top. They're both 6-3. and three. The Tigers with another big uh, series win last week. They beat Tennessee 2-3 of three in Baton Rouge. Looked really good the first two games. And then uh, Tennessee got off on a, a great start in game three and ended up winning that one 14 to seven. Of course, LSU has the tiebreaker over Arkansas by winning the series in the SEC East right now. It's Vanderbilt nine and zero. the Commodores right ahead of South Carolina and Kentucky at eight and one Florida is in there playing real well. Uh, Tennessee four and five in the East. Uh, I wouldn't rule them out. We know how you know talented that team is, especially on the mound, but LSU was the favorite to win this conference. Um, do you think they will based on the way some of these other teams have started? And if not, who are the teams you think that could challenge LSU for that title? Are you talking just the West or overall title? Well, both. Well, in the, in the West, I think it comes down to us and LSU. I mean, obviously, um, and here's what I think, Matt, and and it's still early on. I see a lot of the the personalities on the LSU team. There's a lot of I don't know how to say it nicely. Uh, let's let's just say there's a lot of alpha males. I know it's not <laughs> cool to say in 2023, but there's a lot of alpha males on the team that are big dogs. And I, I see a team if if they're not careful. Jay Johnson has to be careful. You're, that team's going to self-destruct because there's a lot of big egos on that team hmm. that wants to be the star of the show. Now, I think Dylan Cruz is a leader, and he might be a guy that can keep them together as a, as a player. But I just see guys like your Tommy Tanks, you know, and just I, I don't know. I, I just see a lot of the, the attitudes on the team. And a team like that, if they're not careful, they're going to self-destruct. Now they've got great pitching though. And if you got great pitching, you're going to win a lot of games. And so that might, that might help, but uh, they're, they're a really good team. If they don't uh, implode uh, Vanderbilt, you look at Vanderbilt, what Vandy's doing, you know, they're, they're off nine and oh start. Um, they're granted, SEC. granted the teams that they played during that nine and start, they, they played the Mississippi <laughs> teams and uh, who did they play out of the East? I think they played Georgia who's, who's off to a really yeah. bad start. So I don't know if that nine and O is, is an equal nine and O. Well, I was good. That was my next sentence. Okay. You, you have to watch who they've played. <laughs> um, but Sorry. yeah, they've, they've had, no, you're good. You're good. You're absolutely right though. Um, they, they haven't played a whole lot right now, so we don't know how good, uh, Vandy is, you know, I look at South Carolina, uh, they're, they haven't they're played anybody. To, they haven't played anybody. And you look at, they're a big swing and miss team. Now they're going to hit some home runs, but man, they're, they're a big swing and miss teams. I want to say they've already struck out over a hundred times in the conference. Um, you know, I, well, they're, they've got a hundred strikeouts right now, uh, 51 mm-hmm. walks in, in, uh, SEC games. That's a lot of strikeouts early on. Um, 
you know, they don't play really good defense either. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think they're, I don't think they're the real deal. Now, Kentucky has been a big surprise to me. Uh, their pitching's been really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and their hitting and their hitting's been good, pretty good for, you know, for the, for where they play. Now we'll see what happens when they go on the road, how they do on the road, but you know, in Kentucky, they're, they're a tough team to beat there. So, man, I know I'm not really answering your question. I don't <laughs> think Tennessee's, I don't think Tennessee's as good as everyone thought they were going to be. Um, I think when it comes down to it though, LSU, if, if they, if they don't self-destruct, they're, they're the team to beat just, uh, you know, they, the way they could start off a series with with Paul Skeens on Friday night makes them really tough, and then they have they definitely have a powerful lineup. You know, one thing that stands out to me is that in the SEC East right now, you haven't had that big. You know, I, I think in the East right now, you really have five big teams: Missouri and Georgia. They're out of the picture, and those other five, none of them have played each other. I think it starts to happen this week uh, that there's some yeah. some some of those series that are happening in South Carolina hosts LSU this week. Uh, that'll be a you know a real big test to see where South Carolina really is. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think at that point, maybe the, you know, their records start to kind of maybe come back down to where the West is, but the thing that stands, one of the things that stands out to me, and we talked about this last week is that the East is beating the West in a lot of these head to head series. Uh, there were three of them last week and the East and the, uh, the, the East won two of the three, the only one that the West won was LSU over Tennessee uh, I believe that's now nine of 11 series that the SEC East has won head to head with the West this year. It seems like maybe the, the power of, you know, is, is shifting over to the East division, at least for this season. Well, the East hadn't played Arkansas yet though. Man. I haven't. No. <laughs> I haven't. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but Hey, you mentioned uh, South Carolina LSU. I'm looking forward to that series. I, I, I think that's, you're right. That's going to be a big test for South Carolina just to see, how good they are. And uh, I see LSU winning that series. I hope I'm wrong, but I think LSU is going to go in there and win that series. It's in Columbia. That's a hitter's ballpark. South Carolina has really taken advantage of that. I think South Carolina and Florida have taken advantage of, of playing in hitter-friendly parks this year. Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting, uh, it jarred my memory when you were talking about LSU, is Mike Rooney, uh, who is uh, with D1 Baseball and also uh, works with ESPN, former college assistant coach, he said something this week that he thinks LSU is built to blow out teams. And he said, he wonders how that's going to look when you get to the postseason when games aren't blowouts and when they actually have to, you know, really compete in those, those tough, tight games. They won a tight game against Tennessee the other day when Skeens pitched against Dahlander. Uh, they lost a tight game against Arkansas. They just haven't played in a lot of those games this year. No, I think that's that's so true, and you know they're blowing these teams out, and that's the thing about the the run rule that kind of hurts you. You get a you get a seven inning run, run rule. There's a lot of guys that aren't getting the pitch. There's a lot of guys not getting the play. You're costing your team at bats, and they've blown out a lot of teams. And so I think there's something to play in those close games, and that's one thing that the Razorbacks are always we excel at are the close games. You know, I I saw. Uh, Phil was talking about a stat the other day. Um, I don't remember our record in 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 three run games or less. And we haven't lost the game yet, hmm. and and we're always good in those games. And it goes back to the little things that we do. I think it goes back to DVH, the way he coaches, uh, the just the moves that he makes versus other other teams. Uh, just Razorback baseball in general. 
will help you win close games uh, and 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 the good teams find a way to win. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, you look at our record right now, six and three. If you look at our stats, we probably shouldn't be six and three nope. right now, but but we find ways to win. And I think that's a tribute to the players just clutching up uh, and, and the coaching staff doing a good job. Yeah, I think the, the resiliency is something that stood out to me. It's, you know, this team doesn't have to have a certain type of game in order for them to win. It doesn't have to be a low scoring game. They can win a low scoring game, but they can also win a high scoring game. And we've seen them do a real good job this year of adapting to whatever you know, personality that a game takes on. Uh, you know, I agree with you 100% there. It, it, they shouldn't be 6-3 and three in SEC based on the numbers, uh, but they are. And I think it's a, a testament to their resiliency. We've talked about a few of these teams in the SEC real quick, but uh, well, let me just ask you this, Bob. I'm going to ask you, would you buy or sell uh, the stock of these teams? Right now, how about South Carolina? Stock is high. They're 8-1 and one in the SEC. Are you buying or are you selling South Carolina? Yeah, I'm selling. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm there too. Yeah, I just I, I you look at their schedule. I think going into the midweek that they, they did beat North Carolina the other night, uh, which was a, a good midweek win for them. Uh, but their strength of schedule is in the 60s right now. A lot of these teams that they're playing are are regional teams. Either they're from South Carolina or up in Charlotte, and uh, it's it's not a real strong schedule. What about Kentucky at eight and one? One thing that stands out to me about what Kentucky doing is that they're small ball and teams to death. They've got, uh, I think, three times as many sack bunts as the next closest team in the SEC. Uh, they're stealing bases uh, higher than than any other team in the SEC. It's a different style of play than most teams are playing. Maybe Vanderbilt's the closest comparison. Well, uh, their pitching's been really good, uh, but once again, I'm still not sold on on Kentucky. I'm sorry. Um, I'm I'm gonna sell because I, I'm I'm not a big fan of small ball. I, hmm. I don't think I, I think there's a time to do it and there's a time not to do it. Um, I think when it's all said and done, the cream rises to the top, and I don't think Kentucky's gonna be there. They do have Darren Williams, who's pitching really well this year in his uh, his season back from Tommy John surgery. He's been one of the best pitchers in the league. How about Texas A and M? They're three and six in the SEC. The stock is low on A and M. Are you buying that? Well, that's a tough one there. I thought they'd be way better. I really did. I'm I'm surprised at the start they've gotten off to. Um, oh, now they did play LSU in Tennessee to start the the conference yeah. season. They went one and five. They beat Ole Miss last weekend. Uh, they're gonna, yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm I, I'm gonna buy. I think they're gonna they're they've got off to a rough start. They played some good good teams, so I think they're gonna be better. How about Ole Miss? One and eight in the SEC. Arkansas comes in this weekend. We know, you know, we know what they have from a position standpoint. We'll talk about this here in a minute. A lot of guys back from that championship team, but uh, you know, they they haven't looked good to this point in the year. Yeah, I, I think when ninety nine times out of hundred, I'm going to sell when it comes to Ole Miss, and I'm going <laughs> to stick with that right here. Yeah, they're just not a good team. They're a tired team. They're not playing well. Um, but if you remember last year, they're probably the last team in the mm -hmm. NCAA tournament, and we know what how that season finished for them. So anything can happen. Um, I know Gus going in. I, you know this is this gonna, it's not going to be a cakewalk for us this weekend. I think we're going there and win the series, but they're gonna they're gonna play us tough. I know they're going to, but yeah, I, I just don't. Uh, I'm I'm definitely not buying on a on Ole Miss. I just. Uh, they just they've got too many problems right now and they they got a long way to go to get them fixed. Yeah, we'll talk about that more 
here in a few minutes, Ole Miss and Arkansas this weekend. It, it just does not seem like the same Ole Miss team that we saw last year, especially on the mound. I want to tell you that the Whole Hog Baseball Podcast is brought to you in part by the Teague Law Firm, where James Teague has joined his father, Robert. The law Firm's been around for nearly 30 years and was voted best of Northwest Arkansas in 2019 and 2021. James can help you with most family law matters, including divorce, custody, child support. He can also help with criminal law including felony and misdemeanor offenses. If you have an estate need, James at Teague Law Firm can fill your need there too. Teague Law Firm is a full-service law firm where you'll talk to actual lawyers. They will call you back and give you their direct cell number. You call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785. That's 479-531-2785. Or visit them online at teague-law.com. The Teague Law Firm. If we can't help you, we'll talk baseball. As a former Razorback pitcher, James Teague spent years closing innings. Now he's closing cases. With almost three decades in business, the Teague Law Firm can help with most family law issues and criminal law. Call James and the Teague Law Firm at 479-531-2785 or visit them at teague-law.com. Want more coverage of your home team? Download the Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Check out the Fan Zone and get up-to-the-minute videos, podcasts, and features on football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. Search for Whole Hog Sports on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire at home. And take it with you on the go by downloading it for your mobile device in your app store. The Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Get it today. Arkansas was supposed to play Arkansas State on Tuesday. That game got called off Monday because of the uncertainty with the weather. And, you know, here in Fayetteville, I think at about 5.30 on Tuesday night, it was raining pretty good, had some cloud to ground lightning. Uh, the, the game would not have been able to start on time. I think they would have been able to play it, but the concern was that Arkansas State would be on the road when the, the strong storms came through overnight. Uh, that's not exactly the, the easiest drive between Fayetteville and Jonesboro. So, you know, they made the decision to, to call it off and there's no there's no reason to have a team make a 10-hour round trip uh, for a game that, that may not get played in the first place. Uh, I think this benefits Arkansas from a couple of standpoints. Number one, Arkansas State's not very good this year. They're 6-19. and 19. It would have hurt Arkansas's RPI had they played the game. Uh, number two, it gives Arkansas some rest and with what we saw over the weekend, with all the uh, the action in the bullpen, you know the the high number of pitches that Cody Adcock had to throw and Dylan Carter had to throw. It just seems to me, Bubba, that this was a good time for Arkansas maybe to get a little bit of rest going into a series where they're going to play Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. I tell usually I'm all about the midweek game. I think it's huge for the guys to get a few extra at bats in. I think guys that don't get a lot of work on the weekend on the mound, I think it's good for them. Um, but I think this was a, a perfect time to get a rain out. I think it, I think everything about it you just said is is spot on. Now, the only thing about it is there's guys that you, I, I want to see play. I mean, there's young guys sitting on the bench that I want to see get out there and get some at bats. And and that's the only unfortunate part is those guys don't get up there and get at bats. I mean, you got you look at like Hunter Grimes, Jason Jones, Robin Nett, Peyton Holt. Those guys, Ben McLaughlin, Hudson Polk, Mason Neville, all those guys, I want them to get at bats and get playing time. And when the Tuesday night game gets canceled, they don't get those reps in. But I, uh -huh. I really I really think it was good, uh, not to mention a few of the guys out of the bullpen that we'd like to get some innings. And, you know, I still want to see more of Christian Fowl. I'd like to see Ben McLaughlin back on the mound. Uh -huh. Um 
but uh, other than you know other than that i mean i think in for the for the team that's just me being selfish i guess and <laughs> and remembering what it's like to be a player and how bad guys want to play that don't get to play all the time so you know i feel for those guys cuz they put in the work but from a, a razorback perspective yeah i think it's i think it was good that rain out give them a little rest now they can get on the road and get to Ole Miss and, and, and get a workout there at Ole Miss and, and get ready for Thursday night. So it's a quick turnaround. Yeah, and they're going to get some opportunities to play them next week. They play two midweek games against UALR as long as uh, weather doesn't affect those. So uh, they will get some opportunities next week. Uh, Dave Van Horn at the Swatters Club this week talked uh, a little bit about injuries. Uh, one is pertinent to this weekend, John Bolton, uh, the shortstop took a, a pitch off of his finger, I think when he was trying to put down a bunt against Alabama the other day, uh, took him out after that. They they had a defensive replacement for him late in that game, didn't play him on Sunday. They think that he'll be okay and ready to play against Ole Miss. And it seems to me, Bubba, that the perception of Bolton defensively and what the coaches see are two different things. You, you got to hear some grumblings whenever he doesn't make a play or you know, this, that they're in the ballpark, but they really like his defense. I like his defense. And here's the thing, the fans, the fans are used to Jalen battles and yeah. I'm sorry, we're not going to have another Jalen battles probably for a long time. <laughs> Jalen was, the best guy I've seen since uh, as, as far back as I can remember it, just making the routine play Mm -hmm. and making the hard plays look routine. I mean, Jalen was just really good and we're not going to have that. We've got to move on, but I love John Bolton. I love the way he moves to the ball. Uh, He makes the routine play, makes tough plays. Um, I I, I really like him. and I like his positioning. Um, I look at a guy's first step. You know how how good is a guy's first step, and 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 I love John's first step. He's he's on point every time. Um, so I mean, I I don't know. I, I I'm I'm sorry that the fans aren't impressed, but I I'm impressed <laughs> with John for what it's worth. And uh, you know, at the plate, I I want him to get a little bit better at the plate. I know he's had trouble. It looks like to me he's had trouble more with the slider. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit late on the fastball, and then he has to cheat, and he misses the slider. You know, I think it's going to get better though. But yeah, I I would assume he's going to be back in there Thursday night. If not, then you know Harold Cole holds the man. I mean, Cole can swing it. We know that. You know, we did see him. There was a play deep in the hole that he kind of took him a little bit longer to get rid of the ball. Mm-hmm. I think John makes that play, um, and then there was a slow roller or a, ba- a chopper up the middle. And it looked like to me, Harold threw off the wrong foot and kind of sailed the ball. And that's a routine play that that a shortstop in SEC has to make. Uh, now I'm not dogging Harold Cole. I'm just saying that, you know, I, I think he's going to get better the more, more the more chances he gets at short. But I thought he looked better at third. I thought he looked he looked he looked good at third. But I think that's Caleb Cowley's position now. So a lot of competition out there for positions, Matt. And so. So we'll see. But what what do you think about uh, John Bolton at, at short? Doesn't it seem to you, Bubba, that he's just a maybe a little slow to second when he's covering second uh, on some of these double play balls? That would be my only complaint with him. I think that you're right about all your other things that you say to him or about him, you know, that he's got a good first step. I just think that people were so used to seeing battles get to those balls so deep in the hole that whenever the shortstop's not able to do that, you know, the – the assumption is that he's not a good shortstop. And I'll tell you one other thing I like about Bolton 
is that even when he wasn't playing on Sunday, I don't know if you noticed this, he was the one right there on the top of the, you know, the dugout, right on the top step with Van Horn the whole game. And I think there's something to be said about, and I think I have this right, he and Wagner are the two oldest players on the team. I think they're both 23 and they'll turn 24 this summer. And there's something to be said about that maturity that the two of them have that I think really uh, helps this team. Uh, I think that maybe he's a, a clubhouse leader that doesn't quite get his due in, in that regard. Thank you, right. And so, look, when I would scout, when I would scout a player, I wanted to scout them when they, they didn't think anyone was watching. I want to see the true person. You know, how does he act when he gets taken out of the game? Uh, or how is he when he's not in the lineup? That, that's one of the first things I look at. So, absolutely, I saw John Bolton standing right there. Uh, the first guy to greet players and cheer in every pitch. I love that. That says he's a team guy. You know, I, I watch Brady Slavens when he's not in the line. I watch all the guys when they're not in the lineup because I want to see, are they team guys? Uh, or if a guy gets pinch hit, pinch hit for it, does he go down at the end of the bench and pout or uh -huh. does he stay in the game? If a pitcher gets taken out of the game, what? how does he react? I, I look at all those things and I really love John because he, he seems like the ultimate team player. And, and for me, you, you give me team players, we're going to win games. Yeah. He was the one who was pinch hit for uh, with Robinette at LSU. Robinette hits the home run. I think Bolton was one of the first ones out of the dugout to, to greet him. That's just one of the things that, that stands out to me. Uh, other injury notes real quick from the Swatters club, Brady Tiger. The thought is that he will, uh, likely be back by the end of the month. Uh, the thought is maybe the Georgia series or the Texas A&M series. Those are Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. Uh, Georgia begins on April 20th. A&M begins on April 27th. Van Horn says they don't want to rush him back. Uh, obviously, you know, the, the, the long-term health of, of Tiger's arm is, is the priority there, you know, but they want to get him back. They want to get him back in the fold and they want him to be effective uh, he's pitching off the mound again. The next step, he said, is to start throwing uh, some off-speed pitches and putting a little bit of uh, torque on that elbow, on the shoulder. Uh, and so the the thought is that he's on track to be back. Maybe in uh, may maybe they miss him for two more SEC series. Maybe they miss him for three more. And I was thinking about this the other day, Bubba. It, it, I know it's a different injury, and they're obviously different pitchers, and they pitch differently. But it reminds me a little bit of the timing with Connor Noland in 2021. You know, Connor got hurt on March the 5th. Tiger got hurt on March the 1st. Connor came back on May the 1st. We're talking about a late April return here for Tiger. You remember Noland, he pitched at LSU, didn't look good. He wasn't ready for that. But then as the season went on, you know, he had the, the good outing against Florida. He had a good outing in the SEC tournament against Ole Miss. Had a nice outing, I believe, against Nebraska in the regional. And so he started working his way back into the Connor Noland that we saw or, or that we expected to see that year by the games that mattered most. I, I think that might be uh, something to expect with Brady Tiger that he's not going to look exactly like the Brady Tiger we're expecting when he first comes back. But I think the, the important thing is how does he look that month after when the games matter the most? Yeah, you're right. It, it's it, when a guy comes back from it, part of it's mental, Matt. You're, you know, and, and Brady's a, a he when he throws the baseball, it's violent. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's not there's not a there's not an eighty percent with Brady. Everything is one hundred percent, and so for he's just going to have to have confidence and just let it loose. And and I think it'll take a little bit for him to get his timing back. His 
you know, kind of that swag back that he had, but uh, I, I don't think it'll take Brady long. He's uh mentally, I think he's a, he's a, he's a tiger out there on the mound and he, he just goes and gets it. Um, but I, I don't expect him to be as sharp starting out and, and we don't care right now. We want him healthy and, and ready when, when, you know, we get towards the end of May, that's when it, that's, uh, that's when it really matters. So uh, good news on him that he's coming back though and uh and really looking forward to it and i tell you if you when you when you picture him back in the the back end of that bullpen all of a sudden things start to look a whole lot brighter because some guys have really stepped up in the bullpen and they've been huge so to add brady back to that mix um is awesome and you know what maybe a blessing in disguise the fact that Brady was injured, I mean, we hate it, obviously, but, you know, it gave a guy like a Dylan Carter a chance to show what he can do. Um, you know, Gage Wood was huge in Sunday's game. Um, you know, it's given a, guys, a few other guys a chance to step up and perform, and so I think that's going to make us better when we get later in the year. Yeah, not just – it hasn't just given them innings. It's given them an urgency to pitch well. You know, it's it's not, hey, I've got this guy behind me. Now I'm I'm the guy. <laughs> Yeah, we're having to rely on. And one other thing with Tiger, I don't know that they've ruled out the the possibility that he might be a starter when he comes back. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in the starting rotation uh, when he comes back. It was something that they had thought about uh, during the fall, during the preseason. Uh, wouldn't surprise me with the the kind of the inconsistencies that they've had in the starting rotation. If you might see Tiger get a start somewhere down the line, just something to keep an eye on a couple other injury notes here real quick, before we talk about Ole Miss Uh, Van Horn said Monday that Cody Frank, uh, the doctors have told him that the surgery went great. It was a clean tear right off the bone uh, with his lat muscle. Uh, The thought is that he'll be able to pitch in 2024 and that Nick Griffin, who's redshirting this year, of course he had uh, Tommy John surgery and was out in 2021, pitched a little bit last year. It was a big time prospect out of high school in South Arkansas uh, that he's pitching well right now that they figured out some things mechanically with him and uh, they expect him to be a big part of their pitching staff in 2024 all right let's move on to Ole Miss this weekend 6 30 on Thursday is the first pitch between the Razorbacks and the Rebels the weather doesn't look great for this weekend there's a high chance of rain on Thursday and Friday in Oxford I think it's a little bit lower on Thursday night than it is during the daytime Thursday. So maybe it doesn't affect that day Friday. It seems like it's a a pretty decent chance of rain across the board that could change as we get closer to the the day, obviously, but that's something to watch this weekend that, you know, they may be having to dodge the weather, maybe end up playing a double header. Who knows how that works? Uh, One thing to keep in mind, if they have to play a Saturday double header, it would be two seven inning games because Saturday is the last scheduled day of the series and and that's the way the sec rule works Ole Miss is going to throw jack doherty on thursday against the razorbacks he's a right-hander who's kind of been their number one guy since hunter elliott went out with an injury Uh, xavier rivas is a left-hander he's probably their most effective starter had been their sunday guy Uh, he's moved into the saturday role and then they've got a, a big time freshman prospect named jt quinn who's moved into the weekend rotation and he'll pitch saturday's game Arkansas, as we mentioned, Hunter Holland's going to pitch Thursday. They're going to lead the the last two games. TBA, the pitching has been the issue for Ole Miss this year, Bubba. Hunter Elliott, we saw him last year against Arkansas, both here in Fayetteville and up in Omaha. Left-hander, all the comparisons, maybe even a better version of Doug Nikhazy. He's got the same thing going on with him 
that Brady Tiger has going on. It's a UCL strain. It happened maybe 10 days before Tiger's injury. The thought was maybe they get him back middle April. I think they pushed that back a little bit further now. Same thing with him as with Tiger. They just don't want to push him and cause further injury to that elbow. And without him, it's it's been rough going for this Ole Miss pitching staff. They're one of the worst pitching staffs in the SEC. And when you look at their SEC numbers, they're they're really not good in those nine SEC games. Well, yeah, you're right. They're not they're not very good. And uh, you know, Darty, their Thursday night guy, his numbers aren't very good. And he's a guy that's a you know supposed to be a big prospect. He's got all he's got the stuff. He's just not he doesn't know how to use it. Um, so, you know, I think it's huge for us to go in there and, and as hitters and, and put the pressure on them early, you know, make them come in our zone and, and do some damage when they do. Uh, I think what, you know, I, I think you look at the, the leader, we talk about Josenberger and Wagner and guys like that and, and, and who the leader is. I, I tell you what, I think Ole Miss and, and look, this is me just observing them from afar. They're missing that Tim Elko presence. Mm. in their lineup i know we're talking pitching right now but i mean just on the team i think tim elko was the the glue that held that team together you know and and i think that's uh that's that's missing right now for them and and maybe they'll figure it out hopefully they'll mm-hmm. they'll wait and figure it out after this weekend <laughs> uh, you mentioned that one of the numbers you like to look at from a pitching standpoint isn't necessarily the era or any of those things it's what's the opposing batting average against them and you look at doherty and quinn they're both uh, opponents are hitting 343 against them. Rivas, it's 224, a, a much better average there. Grayson Sanye, who had been in their rotation until last week, teams were hitting 455 against him. And so that's one <laughs> of the top arms that they're bringing out of the bullpen. It just kind of goes to underscore how problematic the pitching has been for them. I mean, I'm looking at their conference only batting average here. There's not, there, there, there are two pitchers who have a 250 average or lower against them. There's uh, Mitch Morrell and there's Braden Jones. And Jones, nobody knew about, I think, until the A&M series last weekend when he pitched a couple of times. Well, it's hard to win with those numbers right there. I mean, that says a lot. You know, if the, if, if the league's hitting 343 off of you, uh, you're, uh, you're, you're not going to be in the game very long. So, mm-hmm. Or you're not going to win games. So <laughs> that says a lot about it. Now, we're still early on. And you look at who they've played. I mean, they've, they've, they've played, you know, they played Vandy, they played Florida, and they played A&M. So, you know, Vandy and Florida can really swing it. So, I mean, they've, they've, they've played against good teams. Um, you know, I was comparing who they've played versus the, the teams they've played are 19 and eight. Yeah. Uh, the teams we've played are 12 and 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still say, you know, we played LSU and Alabama. LSU, we know they're good. Alabama's way better than what people expected them to be, I think. Well, I think DVH thought going in they were going to be good, but they were better than I thought they were going to be. And I think Alabama's a, a pretty good team. So I think it's pretty comparable there who we've played. Maybe Vandy, Florida, and A&M, if you add the three of them up, are a little bit better competition, you know. But but I don't know. I think it's pretty close right there. But, yeah, the numbers don't look good for Ole Miss pitching or, or, or hitting. You know, they're they're at the bottom of the heap when it comes to, to hitting. And so, you know, they've got a lot of work to do. Right now, Ole Miss, 40 walks in SEC play, 100 hits in 75 and two-third innings. That's a whip of almost two. And that's not going to win you a lot of ball games. Uh, Bubba, you mentioned the the lineup. You know, they've got 
they got a lot of names back from that team last year that that won the World Series. I mean, we saw Calvin Harris, we saw Jacob Gonzalez, Kemp Alderman, uh, T.J. McCants, the the really good outfielder for him. Peyton Chatagnier uh, is just off to a horrible start in SEC play. We know he's a, a great fielder up the middle, but he's batting zero fifty nine in their SEC games. You know, it when you have the pitching problems that Ole Miss has, you would think that they would be able to lean on the experience that they have at the plate and carry them. And that just hasn't been the case. And, and I don't know if it comes down to, you know, a few of these guys have draft-itis and they're thinking about the draft. They're putting pressure on themselves. Thinking, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I don't know what it is, but yeah, you're right. They're off to some terrible starts, Matt. Yeah, but we know how, how capable those hitters are. And let me ask you this real quick. An Ole Miss team that's one and eight. I, I, I've heard this sentiment a few times this week. And I wonder what you think about this. It's like they're they're a capable team and they're a dangerous team because they're a, a desperate team. I wonder what you think about that. And maybe on the flip side, sometimes if you're too desperate, it causes you to to get outside of your game and maybe play even worse than you have. Well, you're you're right. So a desperate team playing at home, you know, you know the fans aren't real patient with them right now. You know, they're frustrated too. So it can go two ways, Matt. It, a desperate team can really dig in and battle you or a desperate team that gets off to a bad start on Thursday night can just kind of implode over the the rest of the weekend, especially when their fans start to lose faith in them. And the fans start to, you start to hear a few of those little boos coming from the crowd, stuff like that. So it's hard to me. It's always, it's always dangerous when you're going to Oxford and, and you're playing Ole Miss because they always seem to try to step up and, and play the Razorbacks well. So, man, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a fun series though. It definitely, we're, we're a better team, but anything can happen in the SEC. Let me ask you this. You, you've been anti-Ole Miss for a long time, ever since I've known you. You've, you've never you've never held back on your, your feelings about them. Did the did being around them at the World Series and seeing how they came together last year, did it change your perception of that program at all? Yeah, honestly, it did. It really did, Matt. And, and I, I found myself rooting for them. Um, and, and I think a lot of it, though, is I, – I, I, I think I rooted for him because I liked Tim Elko. Mm. I really did. I liked what he did, you know, when he played through that knee injury. I mean, that showed his toughness and and showed how much he loved playing the game of baseball, how much he loved Ole Miss baseball. I, I think that kind of changed me. And, man, I, I, I still don't – I can't stand him. But and I, I can't stand a lot of the stuff they do, uh, the extracurricular stuff. But as far as uh, as far as a team, yeah, I did start to look at them differently last year. Now I also look at them and say they cost us a national championship last year. If we <laughs> beat Dylan Delucia in that mm-hmm. game, we go on and we play Oklahoma and we win a national championship last year. I, I thought we had it. I thought for sure we were going to go out and beat Dylan that day. Uh, but he had probably one of the best games of his season against us. And, you know, I think the strikes zone, I think everything about that game matched up perfect with Dylan Delucia. They, they beat us and they go and win national championship. So now part of me is angered because I feel like they took that away from us, but you got to give credit to them. They were the last team in the NCAA tournament and they end up winning it all. So, but they had a veteran team and that's, what's surprising about it. They've got so many of those guys back and they're just not getting it done this year. I don't know if it's complacency 
um, draftitis. I don't, I don't know what it is. Can't put my finger on, it. or maybe just lack of a Tim Elko as a leader. I don't know, but they're missing something there for sure. Arkansas and Ole Miss have played so many games over the last few years. You know, think about 2019, they played eight times because they played twice at Hoover. They played in the, the Super Regional last year. They played six games because they played at the College World Series. And all these games are really adding up. And and this is something that – a stat that I'm sure you've seen on TV. It was something that I found before the 19 Super Regional, all these meetings between Bianco and Van Horn and how it – ranked among the other coaches and you know they've far exceeded now the number of times that ron polk and skip burtman uh coached against each other this will be the 75th 76th and 77th times that they've coached against each other and you know both of them i mean they they've got job security obviously it just seems like this might be one of those records that when we look back you may never see two coaches go against each other the way these two have gone against each other. Uh, it's it's pretty remarkable, I think. Uh, and I was listening to Mike Bianco talk on a Mississippi radio station this weekend. They said, do you get excited to face Dave Van Horn? He goes, I don't know that excitement would be the word. Uh, he said, you know, and he basically, <laughs> and he said, uh, he said, I think that I know Dave well enough that he'd probably say the same thing about our team. There's a real mutual respect, I think, between those coaches. And it's something about this matchup just seems to bring the best out of these two teams when they play each other. No, I think it does. It's 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 always exciting. We talk about the excitement in Saturday's game against Bama. I mean, look at some of the look at some of the games we've played against Ole Miss in the last few years. I mean, there's been some crazy games. Um, it's been fun. I mean, it it really is. The, the in the in the College World Series last year. I mean, those were exciting games. Um, so I think it does. I think it brings out the best in everybody. And that's, you know, that's, that's the beauty of baseball and the SEC and, and, and a rivalry like this. I think it's, uh, I think it's awesome. Now, with that being said, I, I hate losing to Ole Miss. I just absolutely hate it. But, um, you know, it's, if you're, if you're a baseball fan and you love good baseball, then it's a series you don't want to miss. You know, there's this talk in the SEC that moving forward, uh, they're going to keep two permanent rivals uh, for these teams, and then they'll rotate the other games. It, it feels like with the the meaning of these Arkansas Miss games, when you throw in the, the postseason aspect of the last few years, the fact that Arkansas ended Ole Miss's season one year, Ole Miss has ended Arkansas season last year. Like you said, there's just something about this game that makes me think that this might be one of the two uh, that Arkansas gets to hang on to. We'll see, but uh, it, it's always a fun series. Arkansas and Ole Miss this weekend in Oxford at Swayze Field. Thursday and Friday night, Saturday afternoon. Hope you'll come to wholehogsports.com and read our coverage from the series. We'll be back next week with another Whole Hog Baseball podcast to talk about the Ole Miss series. We'll also have uh, an Arkansas Little Rock game under our belt at that point, we think, as long as weather doesn't play a factor. And uh, we'll look forward to uh, maybe the, the series that everybody's looking forward to the most this year, Arkansas and Tennessee. It's next week at Baumwalker Stadium. For Bubba Carpenter, I'm Matt Jones. We appreciate you joining us, and we'll see you next week on the Whole Hog Baseball Podcast. The proceeding has been a production of WholeHogSports.com. Look for our latest podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast store. And visit us anytime at WholeHogSports.com for the latest news and commentary.